And uh, so he emailed back and I did that. I just made today the day. And it's kind of interesting because the one individual I, I met with, I met with him and talked with him and I actually led in a prayer and he prayed out loud to receive the Lord. And in another situation, I just sent an email and that individual by themselves prayed to accept the Lord as their Savior. It's because it's something, yeah, it's something uh, that God does. It's, it's something that God moves in a person's heart. Um, and again, salvation is so simple that I think sometimes we make it too difficult and want to add stuff to it. Um, but it's great stuff. So two you know, lives that I know of anyways this week, and then several in Fremont and, and in Tiffin, um, their lives changed for eternity. You know, on the road to hell, now going to heaven. And all because what we learned last week was the fact that Jesus knows everything about us and still loves us. <laughs> and for most of us, we don't want people to know everything about us. As uh, I was saying, you know, we're our, our own PR firm. We're going to let out only what we want other people to know. And it's usually the good stuff, uh, which actually is kind of interesting because it plays into what we're talking about today and the, how we can trust Scripture. One of the points I'll be making later is <clears throat> the fact that the the authors of the Bible left in all the warts. And, and usually if you read any ancient history or even contemporary history, they kind of leave out the bad parts and they focus on the good stuff. And one reason why we can trust Scripture is that they, they didn't do that. They left in all the bad stuff as well. <clears throat> so a uh, few years back, I was, we were living out in Colorado. I had a friend of mine out there named Toby. And uh, Toby and I were, he calls me up one day at work. He says, hey, after work, would you, uh, would you mind going with me? I want to look at a car. And I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll go with you. Like, I know anything. Uh, you want to go look at a Jeep? And I said, well, you know, you're lost. But anyways, because uh, he should have gone with a Chevy truck. Am I right? Am I right? I'm right. Okay. So thank you. And uh, so they're going to be in heaven. Anyways, so Toby and I, uh, he calls me, picks me up at work. Now, we lived, we lived in southeast Denver. If you know anything about Denver, it's pretty crazy anymore. Uh, the pot industry has really caused that place to, you know, huge population anymore. And we had to get from the southeast side over to the southwest side, which is kind of a hectic drive. And Toby's kind of a hectic driver. And, uh, but he, he plugged in the address into his phone and hit go. And, you know, I don't know what kind of phone he had, but some Australian lady talked, which made me nervous. Here, this is America, not Australia, but whatever. And then, you may go over here, you know. So then we start driving, and it says, you've arrived. And we're looking around. This is not, this is, there's no houses here. How have we arrived at the place of selling a Jeep? So Toby's, you know, all frustrated. And so he starts putting in numbers again. And all of a sudden, oh, no, we're supposed to go over here. So then he starts driving again. And again, it's, it's rush hour traffic by this time. And I'm white-knuckled. Uh, there's proof that there's a God after his driving. I, I became very close to God at that moment. And he's all over the place, driving, shifting, looking at his GPS. He was doing it so much, the phone started buffering. And, re, and it was, it's not, what does it do? When it, a recalculating or re, you know, whatever it redoes. It was re-scaring me every few moments. But isn't that, I don't know if you've ever had the experience, I've actually had the experience myself too, but when something is supposed to give you direction, and you can't trust it to give you direction, that's frustration. And in my case, it almost ended my life. When I got home, Kim's like, was, did you have a good time? 
yes, can I come in and sit down and have some, some nice soft tea to drink to calm my nerves? I don't drink tea. That's how bad it was. Well, the same is true with the Bible. You know, the Bible is supposed to be, you know, as Christians, we say it's the, it's the guide for our lives. It's, it's our, you know, our direction for how do we get from here to heaven, if you want to put it that way. It tells us all about who God is and who man is and our need for a relationship with God and um, how we should live life the best, you know, according to the Bible and according to what God has to say. Has to say his way of doing life is the best way for us. But what if, what if we couldn't trust the Bible? What if we as Christians are screwed up and we're trusting in something that won't get us to where we think we're going? And so this question of why believe in the case of the Bible is hugely important. And so we're going to answer that today because as Christians we believe you can trust the Bible. And this is going to be a little bit of a different uh, style of message. Some of you who have been here for a while, you, you know, you've experienced something like this. This is going to be a little more academic, uh, a little bit more, um, you know, you're going to have to kind of help me uh, by acting like you're awake as I work through some details, uh, you know, put some toothpicks in your eyes, stay awake. Um, <clears throat> we're not going to be looking at a whole bunch of scripture today. Come back next week, because next week we're going to be talking about the fact that why believe is because Jesus is God. And we'll be looking at John 8 and 10, so we'll be back in Scripture um, nailing that down. But some of you may be thinking, well, wait a second. Here, listen to the Bible say we can trust in the Bible. <clears throat> and so for those who are saying that and asking that question, because I can see it in some of your eyes, yes, the Bible clearly says that we can trust. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man should not live on bread alone. Which, by the way, I know I could. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, man should live, am I right? Somebody brought donuts this morning. I love you. You know, I'm just saying. Anyways, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so Jesus is saying, you can trust it. It's coming from God. And, that, and so, you know, you can... It's the basics for you. I mean, it's your foundation for your life. So he obviously says, you know, we can trust it. Then Paul says in 2 Timothy, this is a very popular passage for um, those of us who have been, you know, knowing about the Bible and all kinds of stuff. This is a key verse. All Scripture is, God, uh, is inspired by God or God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, which, by the way, it doesn't mean that you might just be um, mediocre. Adequate means complete, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, equipped for every good work. And so Paul says, yeah, you can trust it. Then Peter, this is kind of cool. He says, regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, who we just, the Apostle Paul we just read, according to the wisdom given to him, and again, we believe that's inspired, wrote to you as also in all his letters, speaking in them some things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of Scripture. So, that, so what Peter is doing is putting Paul's writings on the level of the Old Testament Scriptures. So inspired, which is kind of a cool thing. Um, but then they do that to their own instruction. So obviously Peter believes that Scripture uh, is trustworthy. But here's the problem. <clears throat> if, if any of you guys have ever been in any kind of debate team or anything like that, 
you can't use the thing you're trying to prove to prove the thing you're trying to prove. Okay, <laughs> circular reasoning. Uh, of course, the Bible's going to say you can trust the Bible because the Bible wants you to trust the Bible. Um, and so what we need to do is we kind of need to look at some <clears throat> external things, some other things that help us uh, believe that we and know that we can trust the Bible. Uh, and by the way, I'm, I, uh, like I said earlier, I'm not feeling the best. I got a sore throat. I got my water up here just in case. Um, so I'm going to try to stick with you guys, but my head's a little foggy this morning. So, but I want to do some overriding principles <clears throat> first. So in other words, if you, if you check out, check out after this, okay? Um, this will be enough for you to kind of chew on and, and think through. Um, but as we think about the fact that we trust the Bible, <clears throat> understand this. Number one, we're not proving inspiration. We're not proving that God moved the authors along to write the Bible. That's a faith thing. Uh, you can't scientifically prove that God... <laughs> who is spirit, spoke to these men to write things down. And so that's a, it's, a, it's a faith thing. We're, and we're not, we're not trying to prove that, okay, or scientifically prove that. And we, we're okay with that. You should be okay with that. It's not a huge <clears throat> issue. So we're not proving inspiration. But secondly, <clears throat> excuse me, faith is required with any writings, whether ancient or contemporary. Now, some people don't think about this a lot, but we weren't there when ancient stuff was written or the contemporary stuff was written. We read stuff on, the web, on websites all the time, right? Now, some of you are going to be like, oh, come on, Harold. Were you there when he wrote or she wrote that article? You only have that person's word or maybe the word of some other people who saw supposedly that person typing on the keyboard. A lot of these people are sitting in their homes in their pajamas, nobody else around, you know. How do we know for sure? And how do we know they're really telling us the truth? They may have ulterior motives. And so faith, with anything that we read, faith is just how we live life. Am I right? Some of you people drove to church today, probably all of you. I drove early enough, there's nobody on the road, so I don't have to worry about it, but some of you guys are driving here and there's people driving around. You had faith that those people were going to stay in their lane. Or that the light was going to, you know, turn green at some point, you know. So, trust comes from the truthfulness or the honesty and the accuracy of the writing. So we read something, whether ancient or contemporary, and as we read a contemporary thing, for instance, and, and we start to research it, and we go, okay, that person seems to know the issue that they're writing about. To believe other writings and not the Bible is disingenuous. So if you're talking to somebody, if you're a Christian and you're talking to somebody and say, well, you can't, we, can't, we can't trust the Bible, we can't believe the Bible, then ask them, do you, what, what writing do you believe? Well, you know, so-and-so wrote, you know, kill, To Kill a Mockingbird. How do you know? Well, because the name's on it, right? But how do you know that person, I don't know who, who wrote it, but... Anybody know who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird? Harper Lee? Oh, yeah, the old HL, Harper Lee. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> so, so Harper Lee. Mr. Lee. So he, uh, so he writes it, 
he, right? He says he writes it, but he's not around to tell us if he wrote it. it yeah, what do you guys think I said he? Hey, I'm, listen, I'm okay with the whole gender thing. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Can we scratch that one off the podcast, please? I'm getting in trouble this morning. Stop. See, I'm, oh, oh, I'm feeling faint. I'm not feeling well. <clears throat> Stick to my notes, yeah. Anyways, we only have what history has told us, people have told us, down through the ages and through the ages. So, point is, it all is faith. And then thirdly, Jesus doesn't expect blind faith. I love this about Jesus Christ. I love this about the Bible. Jesus, he wants us to investigate. In fact, if you remember back in um, uh, All In, All Out, we talked about Luke 14. And Jesus said, said this, For which of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost? Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you want to follow me? Which, by the way, we follow him by understanding what the Bible says. You want to do that? I expect you to sit down and count the cost. Investigate this. Don't just take a step of blind faith. It's going to be faith, ultimately, but there's some proof behind it that you can trust. And so we want to talk about those. But what I want to do before I hit those proofs um, is to share some thoughts about why you should at least read the Bible. I'm really trying to take something that's really a huge concept and just kind of bring it down to rubber meets the road and what can we do when we leave here today. So this is kind of what I'm trying to do. So why should we at least read the Bible? Whether you believe it's um, inspired or not, whether you think you can trust it or not, there's some reasons why, that, if, especially if you're really into reading, and even if you're not, why you should at least have this on your bucket list, and I'm going to read the Bible, okay? First of all, it's, it's the most unique. It's one of a kind, compilation of writings. It's really not a book. It's a compilation of writings. There's nothing like it in the rest of this world. No religious book is like this. No secular book is like this. It's 66 books or letters or compilations of writings, 40 plus authors, three continents, three languages, over 1,500 years. It's written by kings, by peasants, shepherds, fishermen, doctors, philosophers, political leaders. I, I always throw this one in. A killer of Christians. That was Paul. I was talking with a guy, and uh, he, yeah, I do this quite often when someone says, well, God couldn't love me, you know. Well, I said, have you killed any Christians lately? No. Well, a guy who killed Christians accepted Christ as a Savior and God forgave him, and he wrote, you know, half the New Testament. Really? Yeah. Killer of Christians, prisoners, poets. It was written from Africa, Asia, and Europe. Written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. It contains history, poetry, doctrine, biographies, autobiographies, and prophecies. And in spite of all that, it's unbelievably unified. It's completely unified. So all 40 authors agree on who God is, on mankind's sin, sin, on a need for a restored relationship with God. They all talk about a promise of, of a one from God who would restore man's relationship with God. From Genesis all the way through Revelation. If you guys remember, we did the epic series a year ago. And we walked through the Old Testament and showed how each of the main characters of the Old Testament were looking forward to a Messiah, to Jesus Christ. 
All the New Testament writers saw the Old Testament as truthful history and, and used most of the Old Testament in their own writings. In fact, when Jesus said that man should not live by bread alone, he was using, it was in all caps in my, the version that we use here, because he's referring to an Old Testament verse. You know, so he wasn't yelling at you. Some of you guys are like, wow, why is Jesus yelling at me about this bread? He wasn't yelling at you. He was just saying, it's from the Old Testament. All, uh, all Old Testament, New Testament prophetic writers are unified on future events, including the events in our future. So for no other reason, because of its diversity and its unity and it's the fact that it's, there's nothing else like it, we should be reading it and understanding it, and it is the best-sold book of all time. Now, as I said, there's, there's a bunch of different ways that we could attack this idea of can we trust the Bible. Um, and I know, because I've sat in your, your places before, and a pastor will get up here and just bombard you with facts and details and dates and numbers of manuscripts and archaeological digs and names of digs and blah, 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 blah. And I'm usually the one that's like, you know. So that's me sleeping, if you guys wonder what just happened there. Um, so what I want to do is I'm just going to come at it from the manuscripts, okay? Because you're all adults, right? If you want to know more information about this, you can operate your phone. You can get up on Google. You can go check out the different sites that talk about this stuff. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. You'll figure it out as you go along. Um, so and I would encourage you to study it because uh, there is a lot of good stuff. But remember, even in your studying, you're going to have to use faith, educated faith, because you weren't there when they were studying it. Some of you guys are really nervous now that I'm talking that way. Can't we believe anything? Well, ultimately, everything is faith. So, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at this, the manuscripts um, and the consistency of manuscripts. And I'm just going to kind of work through these slides. And Sherry and I, we, had, we were talking through this, and so we're going to try to work this through. First of all, we have no original manuscripts so the manuscript is what the person actually wrote. So when you hear the word manuscripts, that's what we're talking about. So we have no original manuscripts, biblical or secular, today. We only have copies of those things. All right? So when we talk about, when we say, you know, hold up our English translation, we're holding up an English translation of Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. Okay? But even the Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, we don't have the originals. So we say that the Bible is inspired in the original uh, manuscripts, is how we say it. Because we know when you carry over from one language to another language, there's some, you know, some things maybe get lost in language. Okay? Um, so, they're just copies. Secondly, Jewish scribes and the New Testament preservationists, they were motivated to be consistent. So, what do I mean by that? First of all, so you may not believe in um, you may not believe in inspiration, but these guys who wrote the, the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, they believed that they were being led by God. They believed God's Spirit was giving them to the words to say, the prophecies to give. And, and here's why that's important. Because 
they didn't want to mess up with God. Right? They, they, wanted, they, they weren't looking to try to come up with something really cool. Forty different authors over 1,500 years trying to come up with, they couldn't talk to each other, you know, all 40 of them, over 1,500 years. They weren't trying to come up with something cool and unified. I mean, just, just think about that. 1,500 years, 40 different authors, and then the personalities within the authors and all that kind of stuff. But they're unified on a message. And not just one message, but a message with everything that comes from it. So, for instance, you know, Islam. One guy said he got a bunch of chapters in the Quran from God. One guy. So yeah, that's going to be a unified message, because one guy did it. Christians are saying, we have 40 plus authors who have done that and got a message, the same message from God. So they believe it. They were motivated by honoring God and fearing His judgment. They were meticulous in their copying. So everybody has played the phone game, right? You got 10 people, and you give them something to say, and then they say somebody, and somebody says somebody, somebody says somebody, somebody, right? And they get to the end, it has absolutely... Anybody watch Ellen's Game of Games? <laughs> they do that. It's hilarious. Um, so, anyways, that's not what we're talking about. What they did is, originally, they had the original. And, especially in the Old Testament, they had the original, and the scribes, their only job for living, okay, was to take and I'm just going to use English because I don't know Hebrew. They're going to take A, A, D, D, O, O, N, N, A, A, I, I, Ed and I, by the way. And then uh, C, C, A, A, M, M, E, I. Raise their hand. Chief scribe comes over. That's an E, and I made an I. Take it up, rip it up, throw it out, start over again. If they went through an entire scroll, and they came to the end, and there was a mess up, toss it out, start all over again. Now, they had a bunch of guys doing that. They were meticulous about doing this. This wasn't some you know, fly-by-night groups hanging out in the desert. These guys were serious. They would literally go out to the desert and have a community where they did this and made sure it was the right stuff. Eventually the manuscripts died off, they had a copy, and then they would use the latest, you know, the oldest copy and kept going with the oldest copy to what we have today. And what I was talking about before, they were honest. They kept in all the sins and failures of Israel and the early church. I mean, if you've read through Scripture, you realize there are a bunch of messed up people. I mean, they're not at all like us. You know, we've got... <laughs> We've got it figured out, right? I mean, these guys were messed up, but they kept that in there. Read any other ancient history or even modern day history and see how much honesty they have about what's going on in their society and in their world. So they were consistent, they were motivated to be consistent. Secondly, there's a time span issue. So I got Hagen in the back, he's going to roll up here. I'm going to try to help us understand this. We have more copies of Scripture that are closer to the original date of the original writings than any ancient historical book. 
The time span, you just leave them right there because you're going to do all the running. Um, the time span between the originals and the first copies is important because the longer you have between the originals and a copy, the more somebody could get in there and mess it up, right? Whether they wanted to or it was just a mistake. So I'm going to try to give you a little bit of an understanding here of what I mean by that. So first of all, Hagen, we need the Old Testament. You got that? Okay, so we're just going to do this using paper. So each piece of paper is um, a copy of, of what we have of the original manuscripts. So we're going to run through this. <clears throat> so Old Testament, the original manuscripts were written between 1450 and 400 B.C., before Christ, years before Christ. All right. The Dead Sea Scrolls should be... S-E-A. See, now we would have thrown that PowerPoint slide out and started a whole new one because I spelled C wrong. Some of you guys are like, no, you didn't. That looks just like C. <laughs> the Dead Sea, S-E-A, scrolls. They found copies of the originals that were between 200 B.C. and 70 A.D., 70 years after Christ came. There's 300 biblical scrolls discovered. So in pieces of paper... There's 300 pieces of paper here, okay? Now, I know that because Areem has 500, and then I counted the other ones that need to be in here. So, uh, so you may not trust me. Take it by faith. There's 300. Some of these copies are as close as 300 years from the original. So, if the platform is the original, Megan, you got young legs, each row is 100 years. Can you do me a favor and, and place that? You just put it on the floor next to the Sharon. One, two, three. Right there. All right. So, 300 years from the original Old Testament copies. All right. Dead Sea Scrolls. And uh, there's so many. And that was just the scrolls, not the fragments. So, there's a bunch of fragments and that kind of stuff. The New Testament. <clears throat> the original manuscripts were written between 45 and 95 AD. The copies were written between 125 and 350 A.D. In fact, a complete New Testament. They have dates from 350 years after Christ. You got the New Testament? Oh, yeah. You have to take the lid off of that. Yeah, there you go. You're going to need that and the whole lid. Yeah. So, get ready. You want some help? Okay. So, we have over 5,600 Greek manuscripts... I should say, copies of manuscripts, pardon me. Rip up that slide, throw it out, and put a new one in, right? 5,600 Greek copies of the manuscripts of the New Testament. Uh, yeah, but it was more cool, like if you just took them one at a time. Some copies as close as 30 years from the original. So, that's 100. So, here's what you do, Hagen. Just take a few, drop them there, take a few, drop them there, take a few, and then drop a few by Sharon, if you like. Okay, so that's good. So we've got some there from the original, and then we've got some that are a little further. Hagen doesn't have a license for that, so I'd go further out. Let's, let's, help, let's help people out here a little bit. You can go further out with that. So while he does that... <clears throat> So again, this is the copies that we have in the time span, the distance from 
the original. I'm going to show. I'm going to give you two ancient writings. Okay, first one is the Iliad. How many of you guys have ever had to read the Iliad in school? Okay, wow, just like a couple of you. Okay, I don't remember if I did or not. Um, obviously, it didn't make an impact in my life. The original manuscript was from 800 BC. 800 BC. We have copies from 200 to 300 AD, which is like a, a thousand year span, and we only have 600. And 43 copies of that. And they, they said like, as I was reading, something like 12, um, like 20 or something that were like that you could actually read all the way through. There's, a, there's not too many copies, full-blown copies. But that's a thousand years, so just back wall. Because we don't have ten rows, I don't think. Yeah, just nine. So, so that's all the way out there. So a thousand years from the time that Homer, nice name, um, wrote it to the copy. We don't know. Did somebody get in there? Somebody messed things up? Don't know. And the last one, the Gallic Wars, which I took Latin in high school. Again, just showing you my intellectual prowess. Uh, took Latin in high school. And, uh, and uh, so we had to talk about the Gallic Wars. Julius Caesar. The original was written between 50 and 58 because it's kind of his, his campaign, his war campaign. We have copies from 850 A.D., which is a 900-year span, but we only really have 10 or 12 good copies. Hagen's holding what that would look like back there. You can look at that little thin little thing. So at 900 years, right there. So again, some of you guys are visual. That might help you. So this here is the Bible. That's the Old Testament. So 300 years. And actually we have you know, a manuscript of 350. And that's the other ancient writings. But if you go to any school, have they ever questioned whether Homer wrote what he wrote? Did they ever question that Caesar wrote what he wrote? No, they don't. They just go on and say, we have to believe it. And so my point is this, if they don't, and if we don't question that, then we shouldn't question whether we can trust what these guys wrote down is what they saw and what they did and what Jesus taught, what the prophets had to say. Again, it's all faith, it comes down to faith, and can you trust the accuracy, and can you trust the, the honesty and consistency of it? One last thing, and we'll be done. Again, a little different than what we normally do on a Sunday morning. Come back next week. You'll get the full-blown you know, experience being in God's Word, learning from it, and that kind of stuff. But we felt like we needed to get kind of through this for people who are skeptical about the Bible. Um, so we have the, the consistency between copies. And we're going to use the, the book of Isaiah because this is probably the best example. You can go to the next slide. So Isaiah, originally written between 739 and 681 B.C. Um, there's two copies of Isaiah found in Dead Sea Scrolls. They found a lot of copies, but two of them from 100 to 200 B.C. So these copies were a thousand years older than the previous copies we had. Okay? 
And older meaning better, closer to the original date. The copies were word for word identical with the Hebrew Bible and more than 95% of the text. Word for word identical. A thousand years. You know, it's just crazy. Because why? One letter, one letter. Screw up, rip it up. (laughs) You know? 5% variation consisted of obvious slips of the pen. We've all done that, right? Like I, I try to write Renee Hart's name or type it. I don't write anything. Type it. And then I forget to put the little, what is that called? A little apostrophe thingy? You know, it's that kind of thing. Missing an apostrophe, missing, you know, that kind of thing. So obviously slips of the pen, variations of spellings. And we get that, right? There's a bunch of, how do you spell gray? G-R-E-Y or G-R-A-Y? You know, whatever. How do you spell Harold? H-A-R-A-L-D. There's no O-L-D, H-E-R-A-L-D. Those are all wrong. So. 5% of cons- consisted of obvious slips of pen, variation of spellings. And out of 166 words in Isaiah 53, only 17 letters, 17 letters are in question, but they don't affect the meaning. So it was written back 739 B.C., the copies that we have from 100 to 200 BC, including the ones that we have that are a thousand years, you know, it, it just, what I'm saying is, we can trust the scriptures. We can trust the Bible. And then when people move from um, the original languages to today, we can trust that as well because that's what they're shooting for. They're trying to get, they're trying to get the best copy for us that they can. Now, I know some of you guys are glassy-eyed. Uh, some of you guys might be asleep. I don't hear any snoring, so that's good. Um, but again, take, take courage. Next week, we're going to be looking at John 8 and probably look into John 10 a little bit. And we're going to talk about uh, why we can believe, because Jesus is God. And we're going to be talking about uh, some of the things that he's taught, some of the things that he's done. But we can trust Scripture. That's why we've done it. So what do we take away from today? Uh, just a, a couple things. I don't want to burden you with too much. But number one, whether you're a skeptic or not, read the Bible. It's good reading. And it's, it's good stuff. It's got some really practical stuff for you to read. But, but read it. And nobody's going to think you're crazy for reading it because it's a one-of-a-kind book. It's the best-selling book in the world. Even, even atheists have read the Bible because... They want to have all the Bible, all the books read, you know, that type of thing. Secondly, take a a step of faith. So, now as a Christian, you guys should already be doing this. (laughs) But um, I laugh because sometimes I talk with Christians and I'm like, do you read the Bible? No. What? I did not read the Bible. So, oh, go back. Um, So, but put the Bible to the test by reading it and then living it out. I, I met with a lady uh, who wasn't a Christian, and uh, we started talking through uh, principles of marriage. Um, her marriage was on the, on the rocks and struggling. And so I gave her God's principles for marriage, and she began to put a few of those things into practice, and it impacted her marriage for the positive. Why? Because if you do life God's way, even if you're not a, a Christian, it makes an impact. There's something uh, inherent inside of 
those principles that impacts your life and will change your life because you're doing it God's way. We have natural laws, scientific laws, or spiritual laws as well that God puts into place. And Jesus said, if you continue my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So here's the deal. You got nothing. Um, uh, you're not going to lose anything in your life if you read Scripture. Okay, you read the Bible. Jesus is saying, if you, if you read the Bible, if you're truly searching for truth, then you need to read the Bible, right? If you're looking for truth, you're going to be looking at a bunch of different religions and a bunch of different writings, so you have to include the Bible in that. You read the Bible, you're going to discover truth. The real truth. The right truth. And that truth is going to set you free. Why? We talked about it last week. We all have this inner uh, thirst to be loved and to have significance. And our greatest need is a relationship with God and have that relationship restored. And when we have that relationship restored, now we have the God of the universe who loves us, who says you're significant. Not because we've done anything great, because we've screwed up. We've messed up big time. We're significant because he says we're significant. We're significant because Jesus Christ died on a cross to make that relationship possible, to remove that sin that's causing this quenching or this desire and need in us. And he's the only one who can quench it. He's the only one that can get that sin removed and fill our lives with himself and a relationship with him. And so if you're genuinely seeking truth, you have to look at Scripture. Feel free to read other stuff, but make sure you're reading the Bible as well. And I guarantee you, if you're really looking for truth, Jesus says you'll find truth, the truth. You'll find it in a relationship with him. And you'll sense that thirst, that soul-level thirst to be quenched because you have that relationship. And then you live life out the way he wants you to, and it's just it's awesome from that point forward. And then heaven when you die. I mean, you just can't beat that, right? Caleb, why don't you and the band come back up, close us out with a song. As they do, let me just go ahead and pray real quick. Lord, I want to thank you for this morning. And again, kind of a different... Um, presentation of your word and of, of things pertaining to your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that it's been helpful for everybody. I pray that, um, that those that are questioning and those that are wondering, and even Christians who may not have been seeing the importance of reading Scripture, that they would choose to do that. Lord, I pray that as we see uh, people reading and, and hearing about people reading it, that we'll see what you said, and that is people being freed by the truth that you provide through your word. Lord, as we close out this um, service this morning with, with a song, pray that um, this time would have been honoring and glorifying to you. In Christ's name, amen. You go ahead and stand up.